On the first episode of the Get Back Coach, we talk about why the new 12-team playoff will be good for college football, the new NIL policy, and what our fans would want to endorse if they were college athletes. That brings us into the debut of our first segment, the playoff, where we rank what college football players would have made the most money with the new NIL policy. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to the very first episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. I am your host, Jake Myers. And before we even begin, a huge shout out to the band Mellifilis who provided that intro that you guys just heard. You can find their new EP, Just High Enough, on Apple Music and Spotify. My favorite song off the EP is Snake Pit, but make sure you guys check them out. Great band from Northeast Pennsylvania. That is Mellifilis with their new EP, Just High Enough. All right. The day has come for our first episode. Very excited to get into things. But before we dig deep into the things that are going on in the college football world right now, I do have to address something. So three weeks ago, I made the announcement that I was – going to have this podcast to get back coach and it's going to cover college football since then i've had some people reach out to me and ask what is a get back coach what does that mean so before we get into anything else i kind of just want to set the record straight of what a get back coach is and how we came up with the name so the get back coach or a get back coach is a coach in college or even the NFL that is responsible for not only the players, but the coaches to keep them on the sidelines. Okay. Constantly telling them to get back, Uh, making sure players aren't in the way of officials running down the sideline. Um, Same with coaches also responsible. If head coaches are, either arguing with an official or maybe they're too far onto the field, a get-back coach is responsible for pulling them back so they don't get a penalty or a sideline warning or something like that. Um, that is a title that I held um, while I was a coach for Lackawanna College, which is a very successful um, junior college uh, program for football and my responsibility I mean I, I was a, an assistant I coached linebackers and then two other years I coached um, defensive backs but on uh, game day I was responsible for the special teams and I was responsible to make sure that everyone stayed uh, behind the line and things like that so I was a get back coach now I forgot about like the term get back coach, or I guess what I wasn't thinking about it until I was having a conversation with my old co-host from my old podcast, Juke Sports, uh, Kyle Cox. 
And Kotz and I were talking, and he said, you know, you should have another podcast, and it should be called The Get Back Coach. And so he came up with the name, and as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. And I took it and I ran. So that's where it comes from. That's what a Get Back Coach is. So if you're listening to this podcast, looking to be informed in the world of college football, um, there's your first lesson. That's what a Get Back Coach is. Uh, You usually see them on TV um, holding back at a holding back at a head coach um, as he's screaming at an official, but uh, but that's what a get back coach is. Okay, now into the important stuff. We're gonna start things off today talking about the new format that has been brought up to or in the college football world for the new playoff, and that is. In the near future, it looks like they're going to pass a new playoff format, including 12 teams. And I am 100%, and I think most people are 100% on board with this. And if you don't agree with this, just hear me out. And I know you're probably in the minority there if you don't agree with a 12-team playoff. But this is why this is good. First, before we even look at the at any roster, and if I were to ask you, name me or predict the four teams that are going to be in the playoff this year. I think everyone say Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then let's throw probably Oklahoma in there. And if you guess those four schools, you're definitely going to be 50% correct. There isn't a question. Not It's not even a debate. You will be at least 50% correct, probably 75% correct, without even looking at a roster. Because Alabama dominates the SEC. It's Alabama and everyone else. Same thing with Ohio State, up in the Big Ten. Clemson is the biggest drop-off. It's Clemson... And then just miles and miles, North Carolina, and then everybody else. So how did this happen? Remember, the playoff was supposed to make it more exciting. Or it was supposed to give more teams a chance. So we didn't have, you know, three undefeated teams and then someone gets left out. Which, again, that helped that. But it created another problem. It created... A vicious cycle of all the top guys only want to go to those three schools, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, because they know they'll play for a national title. They will have a chance at a ring when they are there, and they will probably play for one if they stayed three years. It's it's a no-brainer for these guys, for these kids. Like, all right, I want to play for a national championship. That's guaranteed going to happen if I go to one of those three schools. So they go there. And I don't blame them, but that's how it is. It created this vicious cycle. And then where you have the other really good programs, I mean, blue blood programs, your Floridas, your Georgias, even though Georgia got there, they even though they lost, but Georgia, your Penn States, your um, Texas A&M, you know, LSU, hey, LSU got one. They caught lightning in the bottle. 
but they were on the outside looking in for years and they're going to they're going to go back to that they they can't get over this hump because they they're behind the eight ball with with everyone else or with the team that's dominating so it really has killed the momentum of college football and what killed i think what made college football great is that everyone used to say the every game matters in college football you know yeah you're right before the college football playoff if you lost a game you're probably not going to play for a national title if you lost two you definitely weren't except i think that one year lsu snuck in i think they won it too but still you know two losses yeah you're probably out definitely now everyone knows it's bama everyone knows who's going to be in and you're in oklahoma most likely gets that fourth spot more than likely so i think it has created a vicious cycle and i think this is going to make the regular season actually matter more and i get that i get the question of well how's it going to matter more if there's more teams then a team can lose two games yeah a team can lose two games but you have more people you have more teams involved here think about it think about it that the last couple weeks if your team is between 10 and maybe 17 you're not only going to be watching your game you're going to be watching the teams around you so that they if they lose they're out if you're say 10th in the country and you have three games left and you know i'm not going to the national i'm not going to the playoff do you really care about the other teams around you no teams are going to be fighting for seedings the top four here's here's another argument people are people and critics of this are just like well now the top now if you're in the top four it doesn't matter uh no it does because you get that you get a first round bye if you're in the top four so in this 12 team format you don't discredit the top four because you're still going to want to be one of those top four to get that opening bye and with more teams involved they're going to be fighting for seeding so you are going to want to win that last game of the year even though it doesn't may not mean anything because you want a good seed this is good for college football this is going to make it more exciting people are going to be more compelled to watch not only their team but other teams because there's going to be a fight for seeding this is going to be great you know and the other thing or the the what this destroys also and and i know this is a little sad for me and people like me but your bowl bowl games are dead now bowl games are dead and i'm disappointed by that because listen i'll i'll watch anything i'll watch the bad boys gasparilla bowl um i'll watch uh, the monarchy car care bowl like i watch them all i literally watch every single bowl game and i love them but when so when you have the new year's six which are your bigger bowls like the old bcs bowls and everything like that 
when they don't really mean anything anymore because they're not in the playoff, that's when you know you got to shake things up. Because, you know, 10 years ago, you know, yeah, you weren't invited to the national championship because you had one loss and another team with a loss got in ahead of you. But you can still say, yeah, but we won the Sugar Bowl. We won the Rose Bowl. And that's looked at as a fantastic, great year. Now, if the Rose Bowl isn't a part of the playoff, it's like a cons- it, like the Rose Bowl is considered a consolation prize if you're not in the playoff. The granddaddy of them all. When that loses its luster, you gotta de- you gotta get rid of the bowl games. You gotta get rid of them. You know. Um, you know, if you want to have maybe the semifinals is the Sugar and the Rose, I think that's a good one. And you know, put some and then one it, it maybe the first round of eight or when it gets divided into eight, maybe then have like peach and orange and it just go down the list. But um, I think this is the end of bowl games, and it's sad to say that because. I remember waking up on New Year's Day, and if your team was playing on New Year's Day, that was like a big deal. The Citrus Bowl meant something. <laughs> now, if you go to the Citrus Bowl, it's like, yeah, who cares? Same thing, you know, Outback Bowl. Outback Bowl was, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was like, yeah, all right, Outback Bowl, that's a decent year. And say we were all right. Now, like, people make jokes, yeah, we're just going to the Outback Bowl again. I mean, it's, they're losing its luster because it's, once you expanded it to four, everything else became consolation prizes. So now open up the field, make it 12, and now there are going to be no more bowl games, which, I mean, again, I look forward to them all, but it had to happen. It had to happen. I, I said from the – I wrote a blog a little bit ago, uh, a couple months ago, about – I was saying about how it should be a playoff of eight and keep all the other bowl games or keep – 19 bowl games. Okay, so you have the top 38 teams in. So, hey, if you're in the top 38, hey, you had a decent year. You deserve to go to a bowl game. But if you're 6 and 6, like that's like going to the bowl, it, it, it's not, it doesn't mean anything if you're 6 and 6 going to a bowl game. You know, 7 and 5, too, is like stretching it. That's the other. I, like I believe that you need to have seven wins. You have to be above 500 to get to a bowl. I do believe in that. Even though I love watching all the games, that there should you shouldn't be mediocre going to a bowl game. And even seven and five is, is like kind of a little, a little above average. Um. So who does this help? And and I mentioned it a little bit. This helps. You know, besides two years ago, the LSU's, the Georgia's, the Florida's, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Penn State, all of these big programs that are getting left out in the cold and and doing well consistently, you know, top five to top to top 12 teams are getting consistently left out, having great years and everyone's disappointed because like, They don't even have a shot. So that helps them. You know who it also helps? The UCFs, the Cincinnati's, 
the Boise State's. Because now, hey, you go undefeated, or hey, you have only a loss on, and you're in the top 12, all right, now you have a shot. You've been wanting a chance for this long, now you get a chance. There is no UCF claiming their national champions, no. Now you have a real shot. Let's see if you can play with it. Let's see if you're that good. Cincinnati almost beat Georgia last year. I know Georgia, I think I had two guys, had a couple guys sit out, but still, Cincinnati hung tough with them. Hey, maybe it can happen. Maybe it can happen, but that's who that definitely helps. Um, who gets screwed in this? And quite frankly, I, I don't, I don't agree with this part of the format. I think this is a major flaw, but Notre Dame cannot be a top four. So they cannot have a buy. Um, they said independence will not be awarded a, in that one of those top four spots, or they can, they're not going to be awarded a first round buy. And I get it because they can make their own schedule. They can go undefeated. And then, Hey, if no one else is undefeated, they'll be in. I, I get that. Just go by their resume. Go by the resume. Notre Dame, plays mostly ACC schools. So they should be judged like like an ACC team. If we adopted, or if they adopted this format this year, okay, this year, if they adopted this format, you're telling me, and say Notre Dame goes undefeated with wins over Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, USC, and North Carolina, that you're not going to put them in the top four? Come on, just go by the resume. If the resume's good, put them on there. If they don't have a quality win, leave them off. It's not this. It's not that hard. And listen, I don't like Notre Dame. I root against them ninety-eight percent of the time, if we're being honest. But Notre Dame got screwed here. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to force them to join a conference. <laughs> I mean, they basically play an ACC schedule. I would love them for, for them to join a conference, but here's the problem with that. They join a conference. That means they're not going to play Michigan anymore. They're not going to play Michigan State. They might still keep the rivalry with USC, you know, kind of like what Clemson and South Carolina do at the end of the year. Um, you know, they probably will still play Navy. But still, they're not going to play any more Big Ten teams. That, that'll be over. But still, Notre Dame, they, they need, if the resume is good enough, put them in the top four. But, guys, this is huge for college football. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's awesome. I mean, college football is home of some of the craziest atmospheres in all of sports. And you're going to put championship indications or implications on games in a home crowd? It's going to be absolutely electric. Alabama, let's say Alabama is not in the top four one year. Let's just say they're five or six. Usually at Bryant-Denny, it's not that crazy because everyone expects Alabama's going to stomp someone's lights out and move on. So no one's getting really that jacked up unless it's Auburn. Or maybe like a Florida if they're good or LSU if they're good. Now, that playoff game, Bryant-Denny is going to be jumping for a playoff game. Or a Southern team has to go north and play in December. Wild. It's going to be wild. Those SEC guys are not going to like that, having to go up north. But this is great for college football. I love it. I think it gives more great, solid programs a chance at it. And it's going to make the season 
mean even more. It's going to be awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, moving on. Uh, this came out a little bit more recently. Players can receive money off their name, image, and likeness. Finally. Finally. This is a long time coming. And it needs to happen. There are too many outlets, you know, making money off t-shirts with guys' names and likeness. I mean, I know it's not official from the university. Like, for example, Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel, with they have the silhouette of him doing the money gesture. I mean, I don't think the university was officially selling those, but you know vendors were, you know people were. And guess what? Johnny was seeing none of that. Now, he was making money signing memorabilia and things like that and doing that, that stuff illegally, but he... He wasn't getting any of that revenue. So guys should be able to. Guys absolutely should be able to. Now, I will say, even though I like this move, it's only a matter of time before a big scandal happens for a pay-for-play. It's only a matter of time. Because you're going to have donors, you're going to have guys endorsing these brands and it's not an endorsement. It's, hey, I'm going to pay you. Good job last Saturday. Um, and coaches are going to utilize it too. Coaches are going to say, you know, so-and-so went here and he made a million dollars off his brand because we have people that are going to endorse him. That's pay for play. And I know the NCAA is trying to say, you know, that can't happen. Um, and that is the slippery slope that they're trying to avoid. But at least guys can make names off of themselves. You know, the UCF kicker years ago shouldn't have had to give up football because he had to pick his YouTube channel, which had a thousand followers, or football because that's making off his name and likeness. Like, if you were a if you were a a doctor or I don't know. Uh, you so let's say you're going for physical therapy, and on the on your side hustle was let's just say you sold things with your name on it. Let's just say I was going to do it. I was a do- I was a I was a doctor. So Doctor Myers' side hustle while he's paying his way through med school is uh, Jake's candles. I I can do that if I was a doctor. I can if I was an NCAA athlete. And I know, they, they get scholarships, they get benefit. Yes, I get that. But when, you know, you're, you could be making millions of dollars and you're only getting a scholarship, come on, that's, that's not right. That's peanuts. That's peanuts compared to what you should be really making. So, yes, it, it might be a slippery slope, but it is a step in the right direction. I think... Another thing why this is good, and you know, Josh Pate, who is uh, fantastic on uh, Late Kick, um, if you haven't checked him out, he's awesome. Um, he made up, he, he had a great point that I totally agree with, in that this right here, so the guys making money off their name, image, likeness, um, it's going to keep them in check more than a locker room would. And here's what I mean by that. And this is what Josh Pate said. Think about it. Guys now, 
don't want to just so it's not just your coach and the in the the program that you have to protect as a player now you have to protect your own brand so if you go and do something stupid guess what you're not just hurting the program you're hurting yourself you're hurting your own brand so if you get into a campus fight and or if you get arrested or if there's pictures of you getting wasted at at a bar or at a party guess what your endorsement your your partnerships they're going to drop you so i think this is going to police things even better um and also it's going to the culture of your locker room cuz you're going to have guys making more money than others with this so it's going to reveal if you have good locker room culture or if you have bad locker room culture. Because if you have good locker room culture, hey, you're going to be okay. You know, hey, if the guys know, hey, this guy makes more than me, but, you know, I don't do this or this is my role. If you have good locker room culture, hey, you're good. It, it's going to be all right. But if you have bad locker room culture, if you have some big egos, if you have guys that are about me, 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 and they ain't getting theirs... That's also going to reveal it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, BYU. (laughs) BYU. So BYU says their players can get endorsements. Okay. Um, No tobacco. No alcohol. Which, okay, fine. I don't think any athlete, college athlete, should be taking endorsements for tobacco and alcohol. Uh, it's going to happen probably, but I don't see that as being a good thing. Um, but the, the the big one there, or adult entertainment they listed too, which again, I don't think they're going to be doing any of that. But the big one though is coffee. <laughs> they, can't, they can't endorse coffee or anything with caffeine in it. So if they're going to do anything with caffeine, it has to be caffeine free. I just think that's funny. I mean, I get it more. I, I get it because the Mormon religion thing, but, oh, man. Oh, BYU. Um, Graham Mertz might have to lawyer up. Um, so Graham Mertz, he revealed a logo, and it, it is a nice-looking logo, I'm going to be honest. But as I looked in the thread, as other people looked in the thread, uh, it looks exactly like a, the Gorilla Games Logo, and if you're not familiar, Guerrilla Games is under Sony, uh, Sony Video Games, and I think they came out with the Killzone series, and I believe Horizon is the other big one. <laughs> and it looks exactly identical. Like there's a G. It's like a, a cubed G. Now Mertz has a little M hanging, or it's a little um cylinder hanging on the side and like makes it look like an m is on top of it i know this is terrible radio um but look for yourself google gorilla games logo and then google grammar mertz logo they look i mean identical i think it's probably trademark infringement on mertz i think he'll probably be asked if my again i'm not a lawyer but i'm gonna guess he'd be asked to change his logo or they're probably gonna have a, a case uh, um, a civil case on it which he'll I mean I don't think he wants to go toe to toe with Sony's lawyers but I mean on the other hand he's Wisconsin's quarterback who only people in the college football world really know who he is and he's selling clothing mer- merchandise and not video games so 
I don't know. But that got me to thinking, all of this. If we, or if any of us, were to go back in college, and we were, let's say, a big college athlete, what would we endorse? So, as I, I sent that out on Instagram and Twitter, and I got some funny, um, I got some funny responses. I'll share some of them with you. Uh, Jared Green 3 uh, said Big Red, and he the, with the gif of Ricky Bobby from Tyler Bega Knights. Um, DJ Dylan Wowsk, MD, uh, said Old Milwaukee, Old Milwaukee's best. Brilliant. Um, then uh, Ruggles 30, he says Red Seal. Uh, if you don't know, Red Seal is uh, tobacco, uh, chewing tobacco snuff, as they call it. Um, and then the best one, here's the best one. Um, this came from um, uh, Misericordia guard uh, Nate Kreitzer, friend of the program. He says security systems. And I messaged him back. I was like, I said, security systems? Like, really? And I said, why? And he says, his exact words, I'm always there when you need me and I'll protect you. Offensive lineman, which is brilliant. That's an absolutely genius idea. If you're an offensive lineman, go after security systems. It'd be perfect. Protect that house like, or protect your house like I protect my quarterback. Oh man, they sell themselves. But it also got me thinking about my college days and one of my college teammates, who I will not name, but this guy. Uh, during a period of time, loved MD2020, Mad Dog. If you're not familiar, Mad Dog is a type of alcoholic beverage that comes in many different flavors. We used to call it bum wine, like just really cheap. Um, The orange was the main, that was like the most popular one. And this guy used to drink Mad Dog. And I think other people started drinking Mad Dog. You know, he kind of got everyone on it and I never realized it until one day I walked in with a friend of mine into the liquor store and we turned and we looked at the you know we're looking at stuff and we're like all the mad dogs out like that's weird and I looked at the guy and I was like I looked at the guy behind the counter I said you guys out of mad dog he's like yeah he's like uh, for some reason people are drinking it I'm like like what do you mean He's like, I don't know. He's like, the past month, people started. because it started flying off the shelves. I don't know what happened. And I'm like, could you imagine if, like, <laughs> this guy... This, I mean, granted, it would be illegal. But, like, if this guy endorsed Mad Dog, like, I don't know. It, again, seeing all this, it kind of made me think of that. Um, of an old college teammate of mine, which I will not name. All right, moving on. All right, so... We have some college football programs that are in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> um, we'll start with Tennessee because that happened before. So Jeremy Pruitt, the the savior, one of the many Tennessee football saviors, uh, we're going to take him back to the promised land 
and you know, I don't know, whatever Tennessee football fans believe in every year. Um, Jeremy Pruitt and his staff were putting money in McDonald's bags and giving it to recruits. This is a no-no. And this is a direct violation. Now, Tennessee is probably not going to have any sanctions because they self-reported it. They fired Jeremy Pruitt. They basically self-policed the situation. My thing is, this is probably happening all over the place. But it just seems like there are no repercussions when it happens. I saw a report that Georgia does something similar, but it's more discreet. And again, there is no proof of that. And I and I really probably I don't want to say that Georgia's doing it, but you know when you hear about you know through hearsay, oh, it's going on here, it's going on here. Tennessee basically was just sloppy. It was like they didn't care enough to like try and hide it. And that's why they're in trouble. I mean, now they have Josh Hoipel, uh, who seems like he's okay. Again, I don't know what's going to happen with Tennessee. I don't. They're not going to be good this year. There was a mass exodus. Guys got the hell out. Um, it's going to take a little bit. I hope they give Hoipel some time. But, yeah, Tennessee football looks like they're not going to have any sanctions. I don't think they're going to be in any trouble because they self-policed the situation. Um, now Hoipel's going to be the savior and that whole thing. It's just a, I don't know. You know, I said I wasn't going to bash Tennessee today. And listen, Tennessee football, it's good for college football when Tennessee's good. But they need to do something. I don't know what it is. They're doing better. They were doing better in recruiting. I mean, I wonder why they were paying players. But like none of it transferred. And I don't I don't know what's going on down there. It's almost kind of like how Nebraska is too. Like... They're just two lost programs right now. They, they, I don't know what the answer is, but it's better when those programs are good. Um, the other school that's in trouble is Arizona State. Herm, I love you, Herm. I love Herm Edwards. I do. But it looks like his staff and himself did basically – totally were totally defiant in the covid protocols so all of the country there's covid protocols you have to do this and you have to you know make sure of this and all of these things and they just didn't do anything <laughs> like they didn't they didn't enforce anything they were having people's families on campus they had recruits on campus and the, again kind of like the tennessee situation they didn't try and hide it like, there's video evidence of, like, recruits on campus when they're not supposed to be. Like, you can't defend it. And, like, Herm Edwards hasn't been fired yet. I love Herm. I know that you can't deal with people's health. And, again, if there's a rule in place, everyone needs to follow those rules. You know, we're all in this together type of thing. And Arizona State had COVID protocol. I mean, they had, um, they had COVID problems during the year. But, man, it, was like, it seemed like they just did not care at all. And honestly, that gives them an unfair advantage. Because if you're having meetings, and let's just say your wide receivers meetings has to be over Zoom, 
or hey, you, you're going to meet half the receivers at this time and another half at this time, and you're Arizona State, and you're just saying, oh, yeah, we're all going to have everyone in at the same time. We're all going to have a team meeting at this time and just not care. That's, that's, that is an unfair advantage because that's extra steps that other programs had to do that you just didn't do. Um, I don't think Herm survives this just because it, it wasn't like he broke it by accident or he broke it. Like It seems like it was total and utter defiance by Herm and his staff, and that breaks my heart because I love Herm. No one gave him a chance when he took the Arizona State job. Everyone thought that it was over for him. It was, you know, he's going to be in and out, you know, his twilight of his career type of thing. And, man, he started turning that around. He started turning around Arizona State. But now they're looking like they're going to be, they're going to plummet a bit. Utah's bad, or they were bad last year. They're on a rebuild. Colorado is, isn't that good. Arizona is a dumpster fire. And USC, who was 24. Ranked 21st at the end of last year. Again, USC is not having good years, and they're still going to dominate that division, it looks like. It's absolutely wild. Um, I mean, hey, Herm, I love you, but you had to follow the protocol rules. You had to follow the protocol rules. All right. Let's get into our first segment. All right, everybody, let's get into our first segment titled The Playoff. All right, guys, this is a ranking segment. I'm going to give my top four answers for a specific topic. And then tomorrow we're going to post um, not only the question and my rankings, but we're going to have you guys, the fans, vote on it. So it'll be number one versus number four and two versus three. And then the winners will play each other uh, on Thursday for the fan vote vote um, guys when you do this you know also in the threads let me know what did I get wrong um, I probably missed somebody but I'm, I'm pretty sure no one can argue that these four should be in this conversation um, and our topic will be who would have made the most money as a college football player with these new NIL policy with the new NIL policy um, now I know a lot of people will, you know, bring up guys from the 80s. You know, you, you got Bosworth, you got Bo Jackson. Um, some people were saying about Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, which, again, all great answers. But I focused my list 21st century. Okay, so anything after the year 2000. Um, more so in the social media age, okay? So we're talking late OOs, um, you know, to now. Um, just because of social media, I think it's a lot easier for people to get a following, people to know who these athletes actually are um, and allows them to use their popularity um, and get endorsement deals and all that. So again, so that's my list is mainly focused on post OOs, um, late OOs, early 2010s, things like that to now. Okay, so here we go. My number four, uh, Tim Tebow. I mean, still to this day, we are talking about Tim Tebow. When have we ever had an athlete 
Okay. Now, granted, Tim, to his credit, um, won a playoff game, uh, showed like, hey, maybe this guy can do it, and then everyone figured out, no, he really can't. Um, you know, had that win for Denver, which was amazing, um, but really, it couldn't. They they traded him. At the, they got rid of him at the right time. They they knew. <laughs> um, so anyway, has. Besides for that playoff game, has a less than, I mean, less than, less than stellar NFL career, just to put it lightly. Um, he's still he's still chasing that dream. Hey, good for you. Follow your dreams, kids. Um, then goes play goes and tries to play baseball because he was a good baseball player as well. Uh, plays for the Binghamton Mets. The Binghamton Mets are selling out uh, their stadium. Their, um, are, I mean, people are paying attention to, uh, you know, Double A baseball because Tim Tebow's there. You go to Binghamton, like oh, might as well go there and see see Tebow play if you ever travel through Binghamton, up eighty one. Um, but we're still talking about this guy because he was the guy at Florida. He was the leader of the Florida Gators on those great Florida Gators teams. Who I mean, for better or for worse, had a cast of characters on them. I mean, we all have seen the video of, you know, you had Urban Meyer who, you know, is pretty much, I mean, he's pretty much a snake in the college football world. You know, there's trouble seems to follow him everywhere he goes. You know, you got the tough pouncy twins. You got Aaron Hernandez. You had Percy Harvin. I mean, you had all of these guys. You had Riley Cooper on that team too. And, but everyone... No one paid attention to any of the the riffraff going on because their leader was Tim Tebow, who is this amazing young man who goes on mission trips, who's extremely religious, who honestly, people say he's a fake. I don't think he's a fake. I, I think he's legitimately that guy. Um... And because he was squeaky clean, that's who they thought Florida, the Florida Gators were. Even though they weren't. They were far from anything. They were far from choir boys. But their head guy, their man, was... He was that guy. He was this, um, not only larger than life, but this man of faith. And I think a lot of people, especially down south, where you know football and religion are king... They related to that, and they they fell in love with this guy, and rightfully so. He's a great guy. Um, so he would have made lots of money. Now, I put him at four because of his religious um, beliefs. I don't think he would have made or took advantage of the new NIL policy that some of these other guys would have. But he definitely should be on this list because he would have made a lot of good money. Um Number three, former teammate of Tim Tebow, uh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, yes. Cam Newton was on that Florida Gators team, uh, got into a little bit of trouble, and then ended up uh, going to the Auburn Tigers and taking the college football world by storm. If we're going to do um, yearly, he would have made more money uh, possibly than some of these other guys. But... Because it was kind, of, it was a little bit short lived. Um, I mean, he had that 
absolutely fantastic year national championship uh, against the Oregon Ducks in Scottsdale. I was there. Um, it was amazing to see. I mean, I was kind of rooting for Oregon, to be honest. But it was amazing. He had the Superman thing going on. He would have taken full advantage. And he's charismatic. I mean, think about it here. I know, hey, listen, the man hates to lose, okay? And yes, he can be that sore loser. But, man, he has this charisma about him that people are going to want to buy things. He can sell. He's been in commercials before. He knows how to do it. Um, I think Cam Newton definitely 100% deserves to be on this list. He would have made, um, would have taken full advantage of that. The new NIL policy if it was around back then. Okay. Now, before I get to the top two, the last two, Tebow and Cam Newton, I think people could argue other people jumping them. They could. These next two, I don't think it's, it's unnegotiable. These next two, 100%, are one and two. You could flip-flop them. I can deal with that. But definitely these next two are unnegotiable. 100% are on this list. Um, number two is probably a lot of people's number ones. But I, I have a theory behind why this guy stays at two. Number two, Reggie Bush. I think I saw... Or I did see online, someone had an algorithm of the amount of money Reggie Bush would have been able to make during his time at USC. And it was $6.77 million. $6.7 million. That is crazy to think about. $6.7 million. And he got in trouble for accepting an amount of like 300000 I think they gave his mom a house. Or, like, someone where she could, like, stay to, like, be closer to him and all of that. But, oh, my God. Three, I mean, that, think about, all right. So, back, let's go back to 2005. We heard, oh, Reggie Bush accepted, or, no, not 2005. It was, it was later on when he got in trouble where they took away his Heisman. Which, they should give back, might I add, just saying. Um, I think that's everyone's thoughts. But anyway, when Reggie gets in trouble, like, oh, he accepted um, an amount of like $300,000. I'm like, oh, my God, they're paying players and this and that. And listen, I, I get it. And we talked about it earlier. You know, guys, you know, they have a scholarship. They get benefits. They get all this stuff. But that is peanuts compared to how much they're reeling into this university. And even $300,000, yes, that is a lot of money, okay? And if you give any kid $300,000, like, they're going to be loyal to that program. But if he could have rolled in $6.7 it's unfathomable to even think about the amount of money 18 to 21-year-old kids are bringing into a university. It's crazy to even think about. So, and I know I don't want to get on the, the NIL policy because I know we already talked about it. But still, Reggie Bush would have made loads and loads of money. Now, this is why he isn't my number one. Because even though he, he was amazing, he was the, probably the best, one of the best backs ever in college football, ever. He had guys around him. 
you know, even though he was the main guy, he shared the spotlight with Matt Leiner. He shared the spotlight with um, some of those linebackers who I can't think of right now. That USC team was absolutely stacked. So in that LA area, he probably would have had to share endorsement deals with other people. Okay. Now, that's different from the guy who's number one, who was the man, who was the face, who would have taken full advantage of this, this whole policy. But Reggie Bush, if he's not two, he's definitely one. If he's not two, he is definitely one. Um, one of the most electric backs we've ever seen um, and would have made... Apparently, to that guy's algorithm, $6.7 million, which is crazy to even think about. Okay, this next guy who is number one on my list went to a program that is always good. I think now they're turning the corner to great, but they haven't like been at that national championship level. And when he was there, again, they were good. I think there are more than good, but still, almost there, not quite making it. But he was the face. He was the face, and he related to a certain demographic, and that is Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football himself. I mean, he did the he does the money thing. He was signing autographs. He was getting paid at Texas A and M. I mean, he was signing like literally. He he was doing what this NIL policy is saying. Hell, they can do this now. I mean, Manziel was doing this anyway. But now I know in Texas, you know, you have Waco with Baylor, you have Austin with with uh, University of Texas. Okay. Um, even t if you want to throw TCU and Dallas in there. Okay, but Johnny Football related to every frat bro in the country. Here's this skinny guy, small guy, looks like he should be in khaki shorts on a pontoon boat in the Gulf of Mexico drinking Natty Lights, and he is an absolute wizard on the football field. An absolute wizard. He did things that it, it, an escape, like an escape artist, a Houdini, like I said, a, a wizard. He, he was absolutely incredible. And you matched that with everyone um, who, even other college football players, you know, not necessarily Division One, but like if you're like a Division Two, II, Division Three guy, and you you know, play your game and then you get hammered like immediately after it. You're looking at Johnny Menzel and like, man, this guy's living the dream. He has everything. He's, I mean, Heisman Trophy winner. He is the most popular guy in the game. He is, you know, girls love him. You know, frat bros want to be him. And I think it was very relatable if you wanted to be like this guy. You know, he, he worked hard. He partied harder. And you match that with Texas oil tycoon people, Texas oil tycoon money, and this guy would make app like stupid, stupid money. 
because those oil guys are gonna in, those oil guys are gonna go throw money at him. Those oil guys are gonna tell him, "Hey, I'm investing in this. You should partner with them." I mean, it's he would have made absolutely stupid amounts of money, and um, and again, he would have made that money. He didn't have a good NFL career. He even said himself he he didn't take it as seriously as he should have. He was listening to the wrong people. Okay, but man. I, I just think, I honestly think he would have made more money than Reggie Bush just because that he was the only guy on that team that could have made that money. Okay, I think Mike Evans, I want to say Mike Evans was there, but I don't know if Mike Evans was the Mike Evans we know now um, at Texas A&M at that time. But but yeah, he, he would have made boatloads of money in that Texas oil tycoon area. Um, but okay, so that's my top four. Um, we have number four, Tim Tebow. Number three, Cam Newton. Two, Reggie Bush. And number one, Johnny Football Manziel. Okay, when we release um, our polls on Wednesday, make sure you guys vote. Make sure you guys tell me in the comments who you think should have been included on this list. Um... So lastly, uh, a closing statement today. Uh, we just received word um, recently that Mark Rick um, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, just wanted to give a shout out to Mark. Um, you know, hey, fight this fight, man. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, Mark Rick was a, uh, a fantastic coach in the college football world for about 18 years. Um, he was you know, led those Georgia teams who were, you know, fantastic. Again, that were, again, one of those teams that are really close to a national title, but can't seem to get over that hump to a national title. Um, but he, he was very consistent, very good. Um, then went to Miami and didn't work out there, but he, um, just want to give a big good luck to Mark Rick. Um, everyone in the college football world is pulling for you. And, you know, good luck and God bless on this journey. Well, we're about to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, I know I did this video. All right, I sent out a video before um, when I said that I was coming out with a new podcast. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to everybody who um, has supported uh, me on this journey. A big shout out to Branded Sports. Who I'm now affiliated with, who uh, is, you know, giving me a platform and taking a chance on me. Just want to say a big shout out to all those guys, and you know, tune in every Tuesday to the Get Back Coach. Thank you all. Have a good week.